All right. Got a question. Have you ever heard of a sand pie? Has anybody ever heard of that? Have you ever eaten a sand pie? No? Well, I have a confession to make. <laughs> One of my clearest memories from when I was a child was that of a sand pie. Now, I was about three or four years old, and uh, the context was we were in the backyard in the sandbox, and from there, it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to figure out what's going to come next. So it either rained or we were playing with water. I'm not sure exactly what uh, but for some reason, the sand was moist, and we were able to shape it into the sand into a pie. Well, we had to prove that it was edible, and my brother and my cousins were not particularly um, jumping right in to show that it indeed was a pie, but at the age of about three, four years old, I thought to myself that, why not? So I took my plastic shovel, I dug it into the pie, I pulled it up like a spoon and I put it in my mouth. And I tell you what, to this day, I remember the taste, the texture, the graininess of it. I know what sand pie tastes like. Years later, however, I know that might sound ridiculous, but years later, I felt vindicated, okay? I felt vindicated. I was sitting in my pathology class at Cleveland State University, and my, my prof, he has his MD, okay, so he's not totally a kook, but uh, he was more of a naturopathic sort of guy, if you know what that means exactly. And he shared with us the latest health news of our day, and lo and behold, certain types of dirt are edible. Oh. So there you go. So now, uh, having said that, uh, the reason why it was deduced that they are edible is because it was also discovered that we are composed of dirt essentially. When I heard that, I thought to myself, well, exactly. The Bible, after all, says that the Lord fashioned man out of the dirt of the earth, formed us like a lump of clay, and then breathed life into us. And so uh, I would not necessarily encourage you to go out and eat dirt. And I don't think that I necessarily will eat dirt again. <laughs> Nonetheless, I concluded that the three-year-old version of myself must have been some sort of a prodigy or just ahead of my time, I guess. <laughs> or not. <laughs> we'll go with that. Um, well, it's kind of ironic. We consider dirt by itself to really have no value. It's funny that God uses something that we can consider to have no value in the ways that he does. Since creation, we have taken upon uh, the impurities of the world. And in Genesis 3, we find God telling mankind, dust you are, and to dust you will return. As we administer the ashes today, we remember that these ashes were once trees and shrubs in places where life was lived to its fullest. Now, they are black and gray, mixed with the waters of our baptism, and it will help the seeds of the gospel take deeper root in us and bring forth fruit. Now we know that God sent his son, Jesus, into the world, and he suffered many trials. And in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, it says, God should make the pioneer of their salvation, our salvation, and that being Jesus, perfect through what he suffered. The suffering that Jesus went through proved that he indeed was the Savior of the world. We know the trials 
that lie ahead of us and that we will be tested. Through faith, we are restored and made even better. The Apostle Peter has said overcoming these trials will prove that our faith is of greater value than that of gold. First Peter chapter 1, verses 6-7 through seven say, you may, have, you, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, through this life, we know that even though we are but dirt and one day we'll be no more than a heap of ashes, Lord, that you are refining us through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we reflect upon the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, let that work of purification be magnified, Father God. And let us take all the more seriously the suffering that you went through so that we too can endure the struggles and hardships of life. Lord, we know that one day these will be transformed from our ashes into the golden faith that you have given us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We now move forward in our worship with the litany of darkness and light. And I'm going to be asking Ruth to join me up here in our reading. And you'll all be reading the bold portions of the litany of darkness and light. And we will be reading the non-bold portions. And you will all start us off, so I'll count you down. Three, two, one. You are with us, O God, in darkness and in light. In the darkness of the womb, we have all been nurtured and protected, and the Christ child was made ready for the journey into light. You are with us, O God, in darkness and in light. It is only in the darkness that we can see the splendor of the universe, blankets of stars, the solitary glowings of distant planets. You are with us, O God, in darkness and in light. It was the darkness that allowed the Magi to find the star that guided them to where the Christ child lay. In the darkness of the night, desert peoples find relief from the cruel, relentless heat of the sun. You are with us, O God, in darkness and in light. In the blessed dark, uh, desert darkness, Mary and Joseph were able to flee with the infant Jesus to safety in Egypt. You are with us, O God, in darkness and in light. In the darkness of sleep, we are soothed and restored, healed and renewed. You are, you are with us, O God, in darkness and in light. In the darkness of sleep, dreams rise up. God spoke to Jacob and Joseph. Through dreams in the darkness, God is speaking still. You are with us, O God, in darkness and in light. In the solitude of darkness, we sometimes remember those who need God's presence in a special way. The sick, the bereaved, the persecuted, the homeless, those who are demoralized and discouraged, those whose fears have turned to cynicism, those whose vulnerability has become bitterness. 
You are with us, O God, in darkness and in light. Sometimes in the darkness, we remember those dear to our hearts, colleagues, parents, children, neighbors, friends. We thank God for their presence and ask God to bless and protect them in all that they do, at home, at school, as they travel, as they work, as they play. You are with us, O God, in darkness and in light. Sometimes in the solitude of darkness, our fears and concerns, our hopes and our visions rise to the surface. We come face to face with ourselves and with the road that lies ahead. And in that same darkness, we find companionship for the journey. You are with us, O God, in darkness and in light. We know you are with us, O God. Yet we still await your coming. In the darkness, we watch for a sign of hope from God. Let us sing together now number 275 inside of your songbook. So please turn with me inside your songbooks to number 275. And the name of the song is I Surrender All. And that's 275 inside of your songbooks. Savior, I surrender all. 